Broadcasting from Sunny Shore City, you're listening to The Underground Radio, bringing you all of the very best Pokemon news and views this side of Twist Mountain. I'm Nadeel. And I'm Sam. For today's broadcast, we'll brief you on all the latest Pokemon news, discuss a true Pokemon art form, and highlight the dirigible of the Pokemon world. So sit back, relax, and give your Radio Rotom what it wants. So, Nateel. Yes, Sam? I heard that you finally obtained the prize. Yes, the the prize. I finally went back to breeding Drifloon and have obtained a decent Drifloon. <laughs> now, is it... Now, when you say decent, you mean, is it like an... Is it a usable one, or... No, yeah, it's it's not. It doesn't have decent IVs. It has it has relatively superior IVs. When I say decent, I mean usable. <laughs> and I've I've just gotta I just gotta pose the question: Is it is it satisfactory? I mean, when you when you say decent, it's like well, well, it it could be better. I mean, it's it's got perfect stats in the two that I wanted. It has perfect special attack and speed. But oh, what I well, that's good. yeah. But what I wanted was perfect HP, special attack, speed, and I got perfect defense, special attack, and speed. What was the HP IV? I don't know. I haven't checked. I stuck it in a box and took the drift the other two Drifloon out of the piece out of the daycare center and put them back in the PC and was just done with it. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you finally got one. I was starting to feel really, really bad for you for that. I know, I've been working at it for a long time, and I don't I don't know why it was taking so long. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think I've ever been breeding a single species of Pokemon for that long before. Sometimes it gets really difficult with those Dreamworld Pokemon. Yeah. I know I had I had a heck of a time with uh the drought Vulpix. I must have sat there and done it straight for three solid days because I couldn't get anything working right for it. Yeah, it was it was highly, highly unpleasant. But you also got a prize of your own, did you not? Yes, I did. I obtained the prize that is Articuno. Oh, yay! I got it in 4th Gen in Heart Gold, and it's a... It's five points shy of having outstanding IVs, so wow. it's a really good one. And it, I don't know, it's it's not an ideal Articuno, but they never actually are when you're soft resetting for them. I mean, they're never as good as the ones you're going to breed, which I think is the main reason why we don't use legendaries at our league, because they're never as good as the ones you can make yourself. But uh, I don't know, it's it's pretty good. I was, I haven't entirely decided what I was going to do with it yet, but it's looking like it's going to be a usable one in competition, so I just have to keep it to the NU tier, and I think I'll be good to go. Yeah, that's that's the thing about Articuno. Even if you get one with, you know, IVs as good as yours are, its moveset is still pretty limited, and so it, you know, it's, it's always going to have to be relegated to the NU, UU tiers. Its typing is also really bad, too. That's true. I'm, I'm just saying, Articuno, you're such a beautiful creature, but you have a terrible defensive typing. You really, <laughs> really do. I mean, 
rock and no flying and ice you take quadruple weakness from rock and there's stealth rocks out there and it can't afford to take the 50 percent hp reduction right off the bat it's oh just, i know and stealth rocks in the nu tier are just everywhere <laughs> stealth rocks are everywhere everywhere it doesn't matter what tier you're in they're always going to find you curse you stealth rocks i know right but uh, speaking of breeding, uh, have you done anything else with the Pokemon lately? I know that you've also been soft resetting for some Pokemon, but have you been working on anything different? Yeah, I was, I've been soft resetting for Reshiram, and that's not going so great for me. So I started uh, doing some other breeding projects. I've, I've started the Dreamworld Crawdons. Because cool. adaptability crawdont is super exciting, and I think I'm actually going to start breeding a swallow. Oh, cool! Yeah. Uh, so, is it going to be the guts or the scrappy one? Guts. Very nice. I'm gonna go with guts, and you know the the normal flying type Pokemon just sort of get thrown under the bus all the time because there's so many of them. Yes, yes, they do get thrown under the bus, but. You know, there's still really there's still some really cool Pokemon. Like, you know, we talked about Togekiss last week. He's really awesome. And, you know, Swellow, I've you know, I've heard nothing but good things from people who actually use them. So, you know, maybe it'll work out. Oh, I'm I'm super excited about it. I need more NU Pokemon. I need more Pokemon in general. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I have I already have like a box and a half of Eevee trained Pokemon, but you know, there's always room for more. I need some more diversity. Yeah, I think I think you and I have both kind of reached a point right now where we're kind of sick of the Pokemon that we have. It's true. It's and, it's it's hard to say, but it's really really true. I mean, I love my Pokemon, but I've used them all over and over and over, and it's like, sorry guys, I need to get some new blood in here. True story. <laughs> And that's that's exactly how I feel. So I'm breeding up this this Swellow and this Crawdont, and I've got some other Pokemon that I've been looking at. Um, I've been looking at Furret, but Furret's got terrible abilities, and I feel so sad for it. Furret's got terrible abilities, and he's got terrible stats, but he's really an adorable Pokemon. His he stats is. are honestly not that bad. I mean, his stats oh, really? are, his stats are workable for the NU tier. I mean, you you'd never take him outside of the NU tier. He's one of those Pokemon where. You know, there's there's some Pokemon in, like, the NUUU tiers that can move around between tiers because they've got, you know, the ability to make that happen if you use them right. But for it's one of those Pokemon where, no, he, he's got to stay in you. He's like, he's like a Pikachu. I mean, unless you've got a light ball on him, you're never going to use a Pikachu outside of the NU tier. It's like, I don't know, it sounds... It almost sounds like he's one of those Pokemon that you would use on your team if you really, really liked it, and that would be about the only reason that you would use it. Am I, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong, and I, that's that's kind of... I, I really like Furret, I do. I love ferrets. He is adorable. Yes. I, I'm not going to lie. He is quite possibly one of the most aesthetically pleasing of the Pokemon that came out of... What's, was that third gen or second? Second, second gen. Second. Yeah, and, you know, I really, I like his design, but, you know, what were his abilities again? Were they Frisk and... Frisk is his Dream World ability, and then he gets Runaway and Keen Eye, normally. Ooh. Yeah, and, you know, Keen Eye would be great if, you know, accuracy lowering moves were available for comp competitive play, but they're not. Nobody gets to use Sand Attack and stuff like that in competitive play. That's just not the way it works. It's true. So that's that. 
Yes. Do you um, have any ideas on Pokemon that you're going to start breeding now that we're both kind of sick of what we've got? Well, uh, I was going to do a rebreed on a Togekiss. After I did our episode last week, I kind of felt the need to make a new one because while mine that I have is one of my originals from 4th Gen, I bred it and Eevee trained it back in Soul Silver. I kind of think that it's time to make a new one because the one that I have now has no perfect IVs in any stat, and his overall potential is, I think it's above average. Really? So he still is really, really good. That I don't, that Togekiss is like blessed beyond all logical thought, but you know, it's. I think it might be time to make a new one and maybe make its moveset a little different to switch things up. So. Uh, I don't know. Otherwise, I I was also thinking about making maybe a Ludicolo. Ooh. And Ludicolo might be kind of nice because he gets rain-ish, and that might be really nice on a rain team because his only real weakness is, I think it's bug. Because he's water grass, right? Yes. So he would resist... No, he would take neutral damage from electricity. He would take... I think he, yeah, he would take neutral damage from ice. He'd take neutral damage from fire. Yes. And in the rain, if he's got rain dish going on, you know, nobody's going to be able to use any fire type attacks on him that will really do any damage. And he'll be able to, well, I guess if you did the rain dish and the leftovers, and he might learn aqua ring. I'm not sure if he does. Oh, but I mean, if he does, he's going to be restoring 25% of his HP after every turn. So I can just be like, yeah, I'm just going to sit out here and use my little pineapple guy to, you know, restore all my HP away. And you know, I, just... I like that you call him your pineapple guy, because I always think of him as the sombrero Pokemon. He's a weird Pokemon to look at. His two pre-evolutions look nothing like his end evolution. Oh, totally. It's, it's weird. It's like he looks like a weird pineapple. He kind of does. I'm. I think he looks like he's got a sombrero on. You know that might that might be it. He's just a weird Pokemon, and I think I might have to make one just to have a weird Pokemon. <laughs> he's sort of like how I've thought about making a Mister Mime. Oh, I hate Mr. Mime. Oh. Yeah, Mr. Mime, he's a he's a tough sell. They're a lot so of creepy. Yes, that is what I've been thinking of for breeding, and I don't know, I think that's about all the Pokemon news that I have on my end. All right, I guess that wraps it up for Pokemon Chatter, then. We will head to Pokemon News for this week. Welcome to the Pokemon News Desk, where we are going to talk about all of the news that was fit to talk about this week. And as it turns out, it's a pretty light news week this week. Yes, it is. I think the biggest story that came out is that Pokemon Plus Nobunaga's Ambition is coming to the United States. Yes. I know, that's right. Uh, The Nobunaga's Ambition Pokemon crossover is getting a stateside release. The game will be marketed under the name Pokemon Conquest and is set to hit shelves on June 28th. I don't know. The Pokemon Conquest, I know the name is designed for English 
audiences because I like we said earlier in one of the episodes I can't remember which one it was the Nobunaga's ambition was never popularized over here I don't think it's even been released no I don't think any of the Nobunaga's ambition games have gotten um, a North American release period yeah so that's kind of disappointing but at the same time it'll also be kind of cool to see if they keep the gen they keep the general story of you know the nobunaga's ambitions side to it and maybe it'll spark up some interest for players over here too oh i I think they will because um a lot of the press releases that nintendo has put out talks about the game taking place in feudal japan and it seems very similar to the story that's come out for the actual japanese version i don't think that the localization other than the change in the title is is going to be detrimental to the game at all. I'm just super excited because I love it when games like this come out, and I really hope that it sells well in America because of the name change, because I would really like to see Nintendo do more of these sort of interesting Pokemon spin-off games. Yeah, that would be really cool. And it would also be really cool just to see more Japanese games make it over here because a surprising number of them don't make the trip over the Pacific. I mean, it's they just kind of are popularized in Japan and then they never quite make it over here. And it, I don't know, it'd be really awesome just to see more of these kind of games and possibly even more types of Pokemon games make it over here and get, uh, get the attention they deserve. Not to mention, I don't think I've played a turn-based strategy on my DS in ages. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I've i been playing, well, mostly Pokemon, and then... <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't Pokemon a turn-based strategy thing? No, not not really. Kind of, maybe? Kind of. Not not yeah. in the same vein as normal turn-based strategy games, though. Maybe in, this, maybe in the way that chess is a turn-based strategy, almost? I don't know, it's weird. It's like, Pokemon is Japanese chess, is what it is. I'm just saying that. I... Richard told me that one time, and I was like, yep, that's exactly what it is. It is Pokemon. Pokemon is Japanese chess. (laughs) The results of the 2012 International Challenge, though, have been posted. Oh, have they? Yes. The Pokemon company did say that they were going to be releasing the results of it sometime in early April, and they were released just yesterday. So now you can go online to the Pokemon Global link and look under the GBU to find out how well you scored if you participated. Are they going to make that information, you know, public so that, you know, people that didn't participate can see, like, the at least the names of people who did really well? I think that you can actually look it up and you can see which players actually did really well. I mean, they will be rewarding them with special items that you can use in-game. I think it was either a ribbon or it was going to be some kind of a addition to the trainer card. Or No, it was a special avatar to use on the Pokemon Trainer Club site. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure that if you went there and you looked it up, you could see exactly who did the best because, I don't know, I think that would be really awesome to see. I haven't actually looked at it yet, but that might actually change here fairly soon because I have a reason to go back to the PGL now because there is a new Seager skin coming out. Segways. Yes, I love (laughs) (laughs) segways. Tell me about this new Seager skin. 
the Sea Gear skin is of Piplup, and it's actually kind of cool because this is one of the first Pokemon that one of the first Sea Gear skins that have come out that didn't feature like Pikachu or any of the fifth gen Pokemon recently. So it's kind of awesome that they're actually picking that up again. And it'll be available on the PGL until May 23rd. So you've got plenty of time to get it and download it to your game cart, whether it's black, white, or both in my case. <laughs> and the password for it is Piplup Sea Gear 2012. That's all one word. It's all capital letters. So Just like if, most of the other passwords have been. Yes, just like most of them have been. So if you want it and, you know, it's... I've seen pictures of it, and it's, you know, it's pretty good for compared to some of the other Seager skins in the past. So, you yeah, know, it, if, it is it is pretty cute. Like, Piplup is more in an active role, like, actually doing something, and there's, like, these little bubbles all over it. It's not like the Deerling ones, where the Deerling was just standing there. It was standing there looking very Deerling-like, and it was <laughs> in a very stoic pose. <laughs> But yes, if you want it, the password is there. You can find it also on Cerebi and uh, Bulbapedia if you need to look it up again. And yeah, if you want to go and pick it up, it's there for the taking. The last bit of Pokemon news that we have for this week is that the uh, Pokemon Black and White Next Destinies TCG set included four secret cards. Oh, yeah, the, the, this TCG set included 99 new cards, or did it? The official Pokemon.com card database has been updated with four new cards from this set. They're called secret cards, and these cards are essentially just shiny versions of cards already included in the set, including Embor, Chandelure, Hydreigon, and Zoroark. So they're trading fodder. Well, or selling fodder. These are, like, I've seen the shiny Embor online selling for, like, $80. What? Are you serious? It's it's the same card as the Embor with the Inferno, Inferno Fandango. Oh, that ability. Yeah, that, that would explain why it would be going for that much. I'm, I don't know much about the TCG, but I do know all about the Inferno Fandango. Yeah, and it, it's a good ability, so it's, it's not like it's a terrible card or anything like that. It's just, it's the picture of the Embor on it is different, and it is a shiny Embor. It's got the blue flames instead of the orange and red flames. And oh. the Shan... Yeah, and the Chandelure has orange flames instead of blue flames, and the Hydreigon is... is are the Hydreigons shiny green? Yes, they are. They yeah. have a green tint to them as opposed to, I think they're... Yeah, they're just regularly black. Yeah, so. and I think the Zoroark also has sort of a weird greenish tint to it. I've never seen a shiny Zoroark. Yeah, I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to shiny Zoroark, but that's that's what the deal is with these cards. And they actually, on the cards, are listed as card 100 out of 99 up through 103 out of 99. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. And that's it for Pokemon news. <laughs> like we said, it was a light news week this week. Hopefully next week will bring us some more news. And I guess in the meantime, we'll head to our main topic.
We've all been there. A preteen with our very first Pokemon game, and the game asks if we want to nickname the Pokemon. You look at the little Pokemon, waiting to be blessed with a name to make it completely yours, and you go and name it Sparkles, or Unicorn, or Doodoo. Nicknaming Pokemon is an art, and when you enter the competitive battle circuits, nicknaming your Pokemon can help set you apart from your competition. A Pokemon with a solid nickname can instill fear in the hearts of your opponents. Nicknaming your Pokemon can help you feel more attached to them as well. So how do you go about choosing appropriate nicknames for your Pokemon? Here are some suggestions to get you started on paths that don't end in A-Rod. There, there are really... I'm sorry, A-Rod? Yes, A-Rod. Terrible nickname for a Pokemon. Yes, it is. I'm sorry to you, all the sports fans out there, but it's not a classy nickname. Just saying. So there there are really two ways of nicknaming Pokemon. You can theme an entire team in some sort of connective thread that weaves between all of the Pokemon, or you can nickname a Pokemon based on a trait unique to the specific Pokemon species. We'll talk about the former first. Theming a, poke- a team of Pokemon through nicknames is is a really good idea. When you're doing it, you can think outside the box with this. Choosing a theme as simple as nicknaming your Pokemon after their predominant color can be relatively easy by choosing interesting shades of that color. And in that same vein, you can you know start to work with a specific theme by sort of expanding from there. You've got six Pokemon to nickname, so you're going to have to choose something that's broad enough to allow you to nickname a Gengar and a Rapidash under the same team. <laughs> That might be a little challenging, I'm just saying. It's true. So we've got some suggestions. You could name all of your Pokemon using the same language. Google Translate is a great place to start for random translations of words into another language. It has tons of languages you can choose from. So try translating some words into a specific language and see what comes up. It might be great nickname fodder. I would suggest trying interesting languages like Japanese or Latvian, Welsh or Hungarian. I've actually had a lot of success with getting good nicknames out of Hungarian. Now, I also thought about something else. Would using baby naming websites also be a really good way to find some interesting names for your Pokemon? Yes, if you have a strong desire to have a Pokemon nickname means something, that's a great place to start. I actually have a baby naming book at home. Oh, nice. That I use for, I use it for uh, Pokemon nicknames and for naming characters in bits of writing that I do, but they're good to take away. Yeah. They're, they're great. They're great resources. Even though people might look at you a little funny for them. Don't judge us. We're naming our Pokemon. Along that same line, though, taking some inspiration from mythology can also be an interesting twist. There's Greek, Japanese, Native American, and Norse mythology just to start from, and they've all got some really cool stories to tell. If your Pokemon all have a very defined role on your team, it really won't be all that hard to find a mythological figure to represent that role in nickname form, like... Natil, I believe you have a couple of Pokemon that are nicknamed after some really cool mythological figures. Am I right? I do. I do. I have a powerful electric sweeper. Uh, it is my Electivire, and his nickname happens to be Thor. 
very nice. It's it's true. I love I love Thor because you know he's the god of lightning. Yes. And thunder, and it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. And your electivire tears it up. I'm just saying. Oh, he does. He's pretty sweet. And then I have um, a Jolteon named after the Japanese mythological figure of Amaterasu. Nice. Yep. Also, you know, go a little crazy if you're choosing to theme your Pokemon under one common umbrella. You could theme a team of nicknames after cities or other locations that have significant meaning to you. You know, while facing one Pokemon with a nickname like Boston may be a little odd at first, if there are several cities that hold significance to you, it might be neat to name a full team after them. True story. Naming Pokemon after pop culture references can also be fun. But again, like I said earlier, you kind of have to be selective in their use. I've, naming Pokemon after video game characters, for example, such as naming a Ditto Like Like or a Togekiss Navi is a really cool idea. But, you know, naming them after Jersey Shore characters is not a very good idea. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> oh, oh! if you name your Pokemon after Jersey Shore characters, you're just asking to get beaten up. It's very true. You're asking for someone to drag out their most powerful Pokemon and destroy you. If naming a full team of Pokemon under a single theme is a bit too much of an undertaking or doesn't seem to be fitting together well when you've named all six of the Pokemon... Try instead to focus on each individual Pokemon and finding a name that suits that particular species. Here's a few examples just to get you started. I have a Manectric, and I love my Manectric. I do. Manectric is probably my Togekiss. It's very true. That Manectric is dastardly, is the best word for it. (laughs) And I have nicknamed my Manectric Tesla. Tesla was one of the foremost scientists in the field of electricity, and I chose this nickname for my Manectric because the one I have is one of the foremost examples of its species. I wanted a name that would reflect Manectric's potency on the battlefield, based on his strong electric attacks specifically, and Tesla just fit perfectly. Yes, it does. And it was awesome because it was kind of, you know, it worked both as a female and a male nickname, you know, despite the fact that Tesla, the person was a man it's got a very feminine sound to it with the a on the end and you know there's you know it's a last name so it could theoretically be used for anything i mean it's a really it's a really strong name it's very iconic and it grabs your attention right away and it also helps in the intimidation factor because you know seeing your monectric on the field i'm not gonna lie every time i'm just like oh great here it comes (laughs) here comes tesla There are also some really, I don't know, some really offbeat nicknames that you can give some of your Pokemon. Like, I was just thinking about it off the top of my head, and naming some of your Pokemon after food can also be an option. Like, naming a Tentacruel Linguini. (laughs) Specifically because of its its weird little, like, noodle-like tentacles, right? Yes, that's exactly what it is. It looks like a plate of noodles turned upside down. It's ridiculous. It does, because it's got, it's got kind of a bowl-shaped head. Yes, it does. I love it. I I might consider actually naming a tentacruel that. That's hilarious. And, you know, if silly names aren't really your thing, you can 
really try to focus in and, you know, pick out something a little more serious. I have an Emolga who I've nicknamed Denkatsu. And Denkatsu is a Buddhist name that means activity like lightning. Very awesome. Because Emolga are super fast little buggers, and also they are of the electric type. So a name that implies that it is going through a lot of activity, you know, being slightly hyperactive, (laughs) and is also uh, fitting with the electric typing was so perfect. I know, right? And it's really awesome that that's his name because he looks so adorable, and you won't expect him to mess you up as bad as he can. (laughs) One of our friends, uh, Josh, had a fortress, and this fortress was a very special fortress because it has a very special nickname. Perhaps the most perfect of all fortress nicknames. Yes, and its nickname was Of Solitude. Now, it doesn't sound right when you just look at the nickname and you're like, this Pokemon's nickname is Of Solitude. I don't I don't get it. But then you have to say the whole thing out loud. What kind of Pokemon is it? The Fortress of Solitude. Yes. But I... <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, though. That can't, you can't get a better nickname for a Fortress than that. You can't. I dare someone to give a... Yes, if you have a better nickname for a Fortress, please send it to us, and we will... If we find a better one, we will totally post it on the show. (laughs) We will nickname our Fortress in your honor. (laughs) Yes, that is exactly what we'll do. You can also... um, We we talked about colors earlier, and Sableye is a really neat Pokemon that I think would be super cool to nickname Amethyst. Oh, yeah, it would. Not only because amethysts are also purple, but because Sableye's got those weird, like, crystal eyeballs. Yeah, and it's because, in I think in the Pokemon lore, it says that it just keeps eating those things, and it just turns into, its eyes turn into little crystals, almost, and it's it's really, it's a really bizarre Pokemon, but yeah, that's actually a really cool idea to name it after crystals. Yeah, because amethyst is a type of purple crystal, and that just meshes very well with specifically Sableye, not necessarily other purple Pokemon. I don't know that I would nickname a Gengar Amethyst, but it works for Sableye. Nicknaming a Nidoking Amethyst would be a little weird. I think you'd be giving giving the poor Nidoking some some issues with personal security, I think. Yeah, you you might give him a bit of a complex. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Speaking of Pokemon with complexes, though, the Mr. Mime... Oh no! I, yeah, I I thought about the nick. I thought about a nickname for a Mr. Mime when I was back in my time of you know maybe I should start giving some of my Pokemon nicknames, and I thought about Mr. Mime because he's he's he looks kind of derpy and he's some weird little mime puppet thing, and then I had the sudden realization that maybe I should nickname it Calcabrina. And it, now for those of for those of our listeners who don't understand what Calcabrina is, please please enlighten us. Yes. Calcabrina is one of the bosses from the video game Final Fantasy IV, and Calcabrina was this creepy doll thing that kept doing a weird little dance and every so often it would split itself into six little dolls, three of them being named Kalka and three of them being named Brina. And when they all fused together, they made this weird like 
this weird giant doll thing called Calcabrina, and I thought it was so perfect because Mr. Mime does that weird, like, moving around his hands thing, and I was like, hey, this is the perfect nickname for a Mr. Mime, and yeah, I just have to breed one up, so... Oh, Mr. Mime are so creepy. Yes, they are. I don't like them. That's part of the reason why he got that nickname. The creepy-sounding music that they dance to is just bizarre, so... <laughs> the last uh, specific Pokemon nickname that we came up with is one that I've had since I just barely got started into EV training. One of the first Pokemon that I bred and EV trained was an Umbreon, and I named it Nox. Oh, Nox. Yes, as in um, the spell from Harry Potter, which would put out the wand light spell Lumos. I remember Nox. Nox was a dastardly Pokemon. He <laughs> really was. And it's, it's unfortunate because Nox is a very imperfect Pokemon because it is an Umbreon Sans wish. Because at that time, I did not know what wish was. See, but isn't it weird how some of those Pokemon, it's just like my Togekiss. The Togekiss is not, is not ideal, but they still work really, really well. It's just because nobody really expects what to do with them when they see them there. So, I don't know. And because you named it that, I don't know. It's also got that uh, very personalized taste to it. And every time I've fought it, you know, and when I figured out how to get around it, it was actually a really challenging Pokemon to get around because, (laughs) I mean, it was a dastardly Pokemon. It really was. So now we've kind of given you a a base in which to name your Pokemon in ways that don't come out sounding terrible, but Sam and I are going to kind of have a little roundtable discussion about the idea of nicknaming Pokemon. And it kind of starts with this thing about, you know, whether or not you should nickname a Pokemon. I'm probably, I'm, if I'm not one of the very few, I am the only one of the hardcore IV breeding, EV tra- training trainers at our league that doesn't nickname my Pokemon. And I don't know, naming the Pokemon has always been a point of contention for me because I don't necessarily know of... I've never I've never necessarily given much thought to any good nicknames for some of these Pokemon. You know, I might change that if I do all the things that Natila has been doing with <laughs> uh, with looking through baby books and looking up, you know, mythological figures. And, you know, maybe I'll get a few hits there. But, you know, on the other end, too, it's kind of one of those things where I would always have a Pokemon. Its, na- it's name was always... Dragonite, and every time I think about Dragonite, and it's really hard for me to break that that expectation because you know my Dragonite has always been Dragonite, and he's always been really awesome. And you know, I just maybe I don't necessarily feel the need to change the name. And I don't know, that might be a particular reason, but I will say I do change nicknames to give proper capitalization. <laughs> to Pokemon. I will not move over a legendary Pokemon caught in 4th gen to 5th without changing its name around from instead of Ho-Oh or Mewtwo, it will be, you know, just regular Ho-Oh with two, with a small O and a small H and Mewtwo and, you know, capital M and all the rest in lowercase. So... See, and it's interesting that you bring up legendaries, because like you said, I spend a lot of time choosing nicknames for my Pokemon. I spend 
an exorbitant amount of time <laughs> choosing nicknames for my Pokemon because nicknaming Pokemon for me is this really special thing. I it's gonna sound it's gonna sound really weird to people that you know aren't hardcore into Pokemon, but when I nickname a Pokemon, I feel a very strong personal connection with Pokemon with the particular Pokemon. I've talked about how um, one of my favorite Pokemon is Raichu in the show before, and that's because I've always nicknamed my Pokemon, my Raichus, Ruby. Oh, and, cool. And, that, and I don't even know why I decided that I was going to nickname Raichu's Ruby, but it that specific nickname has stuck with me with Raichu's, and... The idea of having that really strong connection with my Pokemon sort of invites me to spend a lot of time choosing nickname for these Pokemon that I've already sunk so much time into. I kind of feel like after I've spent, you know, eight hours breeding, EV training, and then leveling these Pokemon up, that I want to put my own personal spin on them. And I think that's a big, I think that's a big reason that a lot of people nickname Pokemon is because they want to express their individuality through these nicknames. That makes sense. It's, it's a really, it's a, just a super personal thing for me. But like uh, going way back to the start of this mini rant, you brought up legendaries and legendaries are the only Pokemon that I do not nickname. And why is that exactly? I don't nickname legendaries because legendaries are one of a kind. With, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, with, with breeding, you know, all of these... Oh, what Pokemon did I just finish breeding? Not Drifloon, because I haven't decided on a nickname for that. When I was breeding all of these Electric for my Manectric, there were, you know, probably 70, 80 of them before I got to the one that I decided to keep. And after that many Electric, you're sort of just like, okay, this is the one, this is the good one. This one is separate from all of the other Manectric in the world, and therefore its name is Tesla, and it is different. Whereas when I catch, like, a Dialga, there's one Dialga in the whole world. Why would I... And then I just don't feel the need to give it a different name, because it is the only Dialga. That's true. It is. And I know that, you know, when you're battling other trainers in Uber's tiers, you're going to face other Mewtwo's and other Dialgas. But in my in-game Pokemon world, there is one Dialga, and that Dialga is my Dialga, and I don't have to change its nickname. So you almost RP with regard in regards to the legendaries versus all the other Pokemon that are out there that can breed. Definitely. that's That's definitely how it works in my head. Because, you know, I can't imagine just running around the world with this Raichu by my side and just call it Raichu. It would be like the Raichu referring to me as human. Hmm. So, because, you know, I'm, I'm a species. Human is a species. It would be like, you know, having a pet dog and just calling it dog. Or a bird and calling it bird. For, for me, I treat these Pokemon as entire species of Pokemon, and when one of those Pokemon becomes my Poke, my Poke Pal, I, I give it a nickname. And so I refer to this Raichu as Ruby, and then I would hope that Ruby refers to me as Natil. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool, I'm not gonna lie. Thank you! One thing, to, one important thing to remember, though, is that 
like Natil said, Pokemon nicknaming is a very individual thing. And Josh, one of the owners of our Pokemon League, has an Azumarill nicknamed Steve. It has many E's. And he absolutely loves that Pokemon and its nickname. And while Natil and I would probably never nickname a Pokemon something like that, what's very, very, very important is that it's a nickname that Josh likes, and it's something that is really special to him. So if you do decide to nickname your Pokemon, make sure that the nicknames that you choose are unique to you and have some sort of importance or meaning to you personally. If the nickname is just something that you think sounds good or that you think other people would like, that's that's not the point. Nicknaming your Pokemon is a very individual and special thing to do. So, you know, try to take it a little seriously and enjoy yourself when you do it. Welcome to the Underground Hall of Fame. Too often, we as fans overlook the characters that stand beside the Pokemon of the world. During this segment, we will be highlighting a new inductee to our personal Hall of Fame. Tonight's inductee to the Underground Hall of Fame is Lance. Lance is universally known in the Pokemon universe as the ultimate authority on Dragon-type Pokemon, being a dragon, a master Dragon-type trainer and the descendant of a long line of Dragon Tamers from Blackthorn City in Johto. While Lance's Pokemon have changed from generation to generation, and even between anime and manga series, Lance's primary Pokemon has always been Dragonite, the, lo- the original Dragon Pokemon from Gen 1. Lance has a very unique style, one that was even noticed by the girl in the Celadon City department store in Fire Red Leaf Green uh, when you use the Fame Checker. With a dark blue outfit accented by dusty oranges, Lance is rarely seen without his most distinguishing feature, his billowing black cape. Lance has appeared in 10 of the video games, Red, Blue, Yellow, Gold, Silver, Fire Red, Leaf Green, Heart Gold, and Soul Silver. His video game teams were a truly frightening experience. In the Gold Silver Crystal games, Lance had three Dragonites, each with a different moveset. And Lance was such a powerful trainer that one of his dragons, one of his Dragonites in the Red and Blue versions was actually illegal. He was able to teach it the move Barrier, which is and always has been a move unteachable to Dragonite. Lance is one of the few Pokemon characters to have Pokemon cards in the TCG nicknamed, er, named after him. His Pokemon include Lance's Charizard, Aerodactyl, Gyarados, Dragonite, Kingdra, and, weirdly enough, Ampharos. Really? Ampharos? Yes, there is a Lance's Ampharos. That's bizarre. I didn't think that Lance even had an Ampharos. I don't think he does, other than in this random card. That's that's still pretty awesome, though. Uh, Lance's first appearance in the anime showcased not only his signature Pokemon, Dragonite, but also his outs- his astounding abilities as a Pokemon trainer and his ability to think quickly on his feet. 
When Ash and the gang discovered the Red Gyarados at the Lake of Rage, they met up with Lance, who handily dispatches some higher-ups in Team Rocket. Lance actually manages to take out a Team Rocket member and snag his uniform in order to infiltrate the group as he works to discover what the Rockets want with the Red Gyarados. Lance eventually captures the Red Gyarados to keep it from destroying Mahogany Town. Lance's incarnation in the Pokemon Adventures manga is very different from his anime and video game counterparts. First introduced in the Yellow Arc, Lance is the leader of a group of trainers known as the Elite Four, just like in the video games, but their primary focus is eco-terrorism, rather than being the final step before challenging the region's champion. Lance himself is much darker in the manga and shows little regard for human life, valuing the lives of Pokemon above that of his own species. Lance is just a fantastic trainer, I'm not going to lie. He is what he is what many people aspire to be. I mean, all things considered, I am thoroughly convinced that this guy has deserves a place of extreme recognition in the Pokemon continuity. And because of that, we have decided to induct Lance into the Underground Hall of Fame as our very first Hall of Famer. Welcome to Halfway Through Viridian Forest Without an Antidote. This is the part of the show where Sam and I get to talk a little bit about our rather foobar experiences with Pokemon. Our poke angst. Poke angst, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> my, my poke angst this week has everything to do with my awesome Pokemon manga shoes. The awesome Pokemon manga shoes? Yes, they started to fall apart on me. Oh no! I know, all of the panels started coming off. And, you know, I, I was really upset about it because I worked really hard on those stupid shoes. But I think I've, I've figured out what the issue was. I think what I need to do is um, use a different glue on the undersides of the panels. The Mod Podge is great to go over the top, but I think I need something a little stronger to bind the panels to the shoe. That's a very good idea. So, I'm... A little upset about that. I sort of tore all of the panels off one of the shoes because I'm going to use those shoes over again. But still, I'm I'm sorry. That's that's really tough to have a project like that just fall apart. Well, it's it's not nearly as bad as as <laughs> your poke angst for this week. Oh yes, yes, the poke angst. I've been soft resetting in hard gold. And I encountered the Zapdos. And I was like, yeah, Zapdos. I'm going to get a really good Zapdos, and I'm going to soft reset for it, and I'm going to be really awesome because I'm going to get it, and it's going to be a timid one, and it's going to be really cool. But that was probably a week and a half ago. Oh, no. And I've still been soft resetting for that Zapdos, and I have not to this day gotten one good timid one because it seems like every last one of them if they have a speed increasing nature of any kind they will always have a speed iv between nine and zero that was my exact problem when i was soft resetting for mewtwo 
Mm-hmm. Every time I got a timid Mewtwo, its speed IV was less than 10. Yeah, so, yeah, I am just of the opinion at this point that the game designers coded Zapdos in Heart Gold and Soul Silver to be the most evil creation in all of Pokemon continuity, and it is there to taunt people and to make them suffer. Well, it's certainly taunting you. <laughs> yes, it is. It is taunting me quite severely. I'm not going to lie. And it's, you know, and I know people are going to say, oh, hey, well, Sam, you're just not doing it right. You need the, uh, you need the synchronized Pokemon and you'll be getting more of the timid nature and the nature you want and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, actually, I have been getting a lot of poke, a lot of Zapdos that have speed increasing natures. So that's not really an issue. What the biggest issue is, is that none of the IVs on any of these Pokemon have been any good. Not a single one of them. I mean, every last one of them, you know, the IVs have all been either super terrible or just mediocre to the point that it's not even worth it to keep the Zapdos. It's, I don't know, it's it's heartbreaking. It really is. I'm so sorry. Thank you. (laughs) I would hug you, but, you know... You're, like, halfway across the city. It's true. But still, I can feel the electron hug going through <laughs> the internet lines. E-hug. <laughs> uh, remember, if you have anything that you want to get off your chest that's anything like related to Pokemon and you're having issues with something, please go ahead and send us an email, and we will share your pain in our next Halfway Through Viridian Forest without an antidote. Yes, we shall. What kind of Pokemon are you? How do you do the things you do? Share with me your secrets deep inside. What kind of Pokemon are you? Are you loyal through and through? And do you have a heart that's true? What kind of Pokemon are you? This week's Pokemon Spotlight covers number 426, Drifblim. Drifblim, known as the Blimp Pokemon because of its distinctly Zeppelin-like shape, is a ghost-flying Pokemon from the fourth generation. This typing is completely unique to Drifblim and its pre-evolution, Drifloon. Drifblim has four yellow, rudder-like limbs that it twitches in order to steer itself on wind currents. However, when the winds become too strong, Drifblim suffers from the same problems of a real balloon and is unable to control its own trajectory. The yellow X over its face actually conceals a small mouth. Drifblim is a largely nocturnal species of Pokemon. They are very drowsy during the daytime. While they are active at night, if they feel they have been noticed by humans, they will suddenly vanish. Drifblim is relegated to the NU tiers of the video game, though he has the potential to wreak some havoc in almost any tier. With base stats of 150, 80, 44, 90, 54, and 80, it certainly has room for improvement, but is still entirely workable. Its defenses are paper-thin, but its speed, special attack, and HP are all very respectable. Its HP stat is actually the highest of all flying-type Pokémon, and is tied with Giratina for the highest of all ghost-type Pokémon. Which is super impressive, because Giratina is a legendary. Very true, and Giratina is a tank. (laughs) <laughs> that base 150 HP is ridiculous. 
Driftblim and its pre-evolution Drifloon are the only ghost-type Pokemon with immunity to ground-type attacks that do not also have the ability Levitate. It has access to three very na- very interesting abilities. Aftermath leaves its foe with a nasty reminder of the blimp Pokemon after it faints, where Unburden can boost its speed to crazy high levels. In the Dream World, Driftblim can make a can make use of the ability Flare Boost, which raises which raises its attack fifty percent when inflicted by a burn. Driftblim has access to a wide variety of damaging moves, including Thunder, Psychic, Shadow Ball, Clear Smog, and Ominous Wind. Unfortunately, it lacks a strong damaging flying type move of the special type. That's that's fairly depressing. I'm not gonna lie. That yeah, almost it, sounds like the what what was the other Pokemon that you had bred up that lacked a strong stab flying type move? Mantine. Mantine, yes. But uh, Driftblim does have access to a wide range of non-damaging moves that can cause some serious aggravation for your foes. Minimize, Stockpile, Swallow, and Spit Up, Calm Mind, Telekinesis, Double Team, Thunder Wave, Psych Up, Memento, Destiny Bond, Haze, Hypnosis, and Defog are all available on Driftblim. Which is ridiculously impressive. I know, right? That is... I don't know, for even for ghost-type Pokemon, and there are some ghost-type Pokemon out there that are fairly devious to that end, Driftblim is looking like he's going to be a major contender for someone who can build one really well. And for a full write-up on using this dirigible Pokemon, you can check out Natil's post on the Pokedex project. That's thepokedexproject.wordpress.com. If you enjoyed today's broadcast, you can find back episodes of The Underground on iTunes or at our website, theundergroundpodcast.wordpress.com. Please subscribe to the show via the iTunes store or directly through the RSS feed on our website. Feel free to drop us a review on iTunes, and if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send them with the nearest Delibird to our mailbag. Or you could just email us at theundergroundmailbag at gmail.com. So until next time, Poke fans, remember that our secret base is always open to you if you can find it. The Underground Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Pokemon is a registered trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, 4Kids Entertainment, and Wizards of the Coast. All original textual, audio, graphical, and video content associated with this podcast are the sole property of Nadeel Erickson and Samuel Reinke.